0: This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, March 25th, 2022. I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks for being with us. With me on the phone from his office in Fort Smith is Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, thanks for being with us.
1: You're welcome, sir.
0: Let's talk about a story that was posted yesterday afternoon about the Fort Smith Convention Center posting a more than $1.1 million loss. Uh, what does that mean for the convention center and is it a surprise coming out of a pandemic?
1: No, well, no, it's not a surprise. I think the amount um was a surprise. Um the convention center um has never made money and I guess I should caveat this whole thing with uh convention centers aren't necessarily supposed supposed to make money. I think in places like Las Vegas, Chicago, New York, some very big cities, they're urban, their core convention centers are money makers but um in in smaller communities like even little rock and northwest arkansas and fort smith they bring in economic uh activity that's what they're designed for i know there are some people out there who um their approach to government is that if you build if the city builds a convention center it should make money it shouldn't be a loss leader so to speak but they're designed to bring in large events, and those large events then people from them shopping their local stores, eating in their restaurants, you know, buy fuel, that kind of thing. It brings in uh, clean tourism dollars. So caveat with that, um, but know that this new group, you know, the Fort Smith Board of Directors signed with a third party. Uh, it's a Los Angeles-based company, Oak View Group, uh, to manage the Fort Smith Convention Center, and that began January first um and they had budgeted for less uh than the 1.1 1 1.19 1, 1, uh, million loss almost 1.2 million uh but but they were hit with um what everyone was hit with you know things were going well they were on track their manager said they were on track to reach a lot of their budget objectives uh, and they they knew they they put a lot of money into this facility this first year i think they Pretty much said, you're going to have to give us a year or two, uh, get this thing up and going the way we like to manage them, uh, and then it'll start turning money. Um, but as we all know, we had that uh, Omicron surge in the last part of 2021 and it hit them. It canceled a lot of events. One of those events, for example, is the Arkansas Department of uh, Finance Administration had scheduled a statewide convention um, for finance folks from cities and counties around the state that was to be held in october well that that got canceled uh, and that would have been a large there's they had uh, over a thousand uh, hotel room nights booked as a part of that event so that tells you how large the event was well that that got canceled and moved to october 20 uh, uh, october of this year 2022 so that's probably that's one example they gave of uh, large events that were shifted into 2022 because of the Omicron surge. So we'll we'll see how they do. The city of Fort Smith pays this company uh, around eighty five hundred dollars a month. I think it's a little more than that when you add in some few contractual type incidentals. But it's around eighty five hundred dollars a month to manage it for them. Uh, if you remember, Kyle, the city was wanting to get away from kind of that um, yo yo loss. Mm-hmm. You know, one year it would be you know, 700 and something thousand One year be 500,000 next year, be 900. They're wanting to get something they could budget. And so this is their, the way they're doing it. And this, it's not unusual. Kyle, a lot of cities have a third party operator. So, um, so they brought up the UN and we'll see. I, it's hard to judge them from 2021, but if we don't have any surges this year, this year in 2020, in that uh, 23, um, should be indicators of what this group is really able to do with that facility. All right.
0: Fort Smith City elections are coming up. You can register if you want to be, what, uh, one of three open dire- or three director seats that will be up for election or mayor. You can start filing your paperwork if you're 21 or older on May 11th.
1: Yeah, if you're a glutton for that kind of punishment, <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, no, I, I, I joke it, it is, can be sometimes a thankless job, but it's important an important job. It's a city of 80-something, 80 85,000 people, a uh, significant budget. Um, it's a city that anchors a metro, so it's important to a lot of uh, cities in, in the area. But no, there will um, be three, the mayor and three of what are called the at-large positions will be open this year. The filing period begins, I think, I don't know if you said May 11th through May 26th. Um, and on the city's website, they have a. It's a pretty simple process to to file. You just get a statement of candidacy. I think you need fifty. You do need fifty registered voters. Um, I think it's like a very minimal filing fee. I want to say ten, fifteen dollars. So it's um, it's not prohibitive to anyone to, to want to run. Um, we don't. Uh, we do know that Mayor McGill uh, has said he is going to run again. Um, I think uh, Kevin Settle, who's been a director since uh, 2006, he has not said Neil Martin and um, uh, Robin Dawson or the other incumbents. I think they have indicated they are planning to run for re-election, but we don't have statements from them yet. So um, uh, we'll see how that goes. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see who uh, who wants to step into the uh, step into the breach, so to speak.
0: What's one issue you think will be? Um, uh motivating people to run for the for the city director's spots
1: well i think um primarily this um, recently what may motivate them of course you know is the consent decree which is still right. a large overhang and i think there's um rightfully so i think there's some citizens that are somewhat uh Uh, I think disgruntled is the word we're supposed to use with um, how that's been handled and how how the transparency of that. Um, The sales tax kind of election that was on again, off again, somewhat botched the communication process. So I think if someone's gonna be motivated, I would suspect those may be the primary motivators. Just someone who thinks they can help the city do a better job of the consent decree, maybe do a better job uh, getting the city to communicate better. Um, those type of things,
0: finally, the Fort Smith International Film Festival approaching, and there are going to be films from both Ukraine and Russia screened
1: yeah, so <laughs> that'll be interesting one you know we talked to dr Golds- Dr Brandon Goldsmith, the director um, uh because we want you know they had announced this some time back, and we were just curious um, how the submission process was doing and as of march twenty fourth they 've had hundred and eighty three entries. Uh, now, these aren't all long form movies. They're short films. There's some videos, music videos, that kind of thing. But there are 183 entries. Um, 102 of those are from 33 different countries. Of course, 80, I think 81 are from the U.S. And yes, um, two of those are from one is from uh, a, a Russian director and one is from a Ukrainian director. Um, according, to Brand, according to Dr. Goldsmith, the director of the film festival, um, he said what will be interesting is the Ukrainian film was wrapped up shortly before uh, the invasion. So a lot of that scenery, a lot of the cityscapes um, may not now be there. Um, so so that, that's going to be interesting. But the event's going to be held uh, August 26th and 27th at Temple Live in Fort Smith. That's going to be different, really better for the festival. It's, it's going to be all in one place. They're at the large, simple live venue in downtown Fort Smith. Last year, it was held at several different venues, um, so they were able to consolidate that. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, um, I, last year, you know, when this long, it was inaugural year, just wasn't sure, you know, a, an international film festival in Fort Smith, really, how's that going to work? But uh, they pulled it off, uh, had a lot of submissions, a lot of folks uh, in town for it, so we'll see how much it grows in its second year.
0: All right. We, you can read about these items and many others at talkbusiness.net. Michael, as always, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you again next Friday.
1: Yes, sir. Always glad to do it. Tickets
2: are now on sale for An Evening with James Taylor and his all-star band, live at Walmart Amp & Rogers. The show is Friday, July 15th. Amptickets.com or 443-5600 for tickets and more information. KUAF is supported by Hendricks College in Conway, home of Life Launch, a new one-week residential summer program for rising high school juniors and seniors to explore career planning and experience college life. Now accepting applications for its inaugural session, which begins June 2022. More information is available at Hendricks.edu slash
0: There is a musical on stage at Walton Arts Center through next weekend. Hamilton. The Tony winning phenomenon is in Fayetteville for a two week stop on its first ever national tour. And tickets here, like everywhere else, went fast. This week, we talk with Zoe Jensen, who is Eliza Hamilton in the production. Eliza, of course, the wife of Alexander Hamilton. And though it is the first Secretary of the United States Treasury, many people most closely associate with Hamilton. Eliza is front and center throughout the production as well.
3: When I learned the show, I was told um, by some creatives that were teaching me the show that, you know, Hamilton, the, the musical, isn't called Alexander Hamilton. It's called Hamilton for a reason, because it's more than just Alexander Hamilton. It's about his legacy, and um, it's about Eliza Hamilton, you know? Um, it's, it's about the whole Hamilton family, and um, I think that's really wonderful. I mean, this show teaches us so much about, about legacy and we learn that it's, it's so much more than just one person.
0: Is there, can you feel, because this is a phenomenon, I mean, sure, there's been Rent and there's been, I don't know, Fiddler and all these great stage shows that have great legacies, but Hamilton is one of those rare phenomenons. Can you feel, you and your fellow actors, can you feel a palpable excitement before Showtime in, in, in the theater that you're about to perform in?
3: You know, I can absolutely feel it every, every single night. It is easily the thing that gets me the most excited to do the show. Um, You know, every day we come in um, between half hour and an hour before curtains. So we're actually walking in typically with a lot of audience members, depending on the theater that we go to. Sometimes we're even entering in the same entrance (laughs) and they don't know because we've got our masks on and our, you know, we're all incognito, but It's wonderful to get to see the people coming into the building, um, to get to see little kids dressed up as Skylar sisters and to get that reminder that, hey, you've got some you've got some people in the audience who are really excited to see you tonight. Um, We are so blessed to be a part of a show that is so popular. Um, Yeah, it, it, it comes with this idea of like, you know, every show, there's probably someone in the audience. Um, whose ticket is their birthday present or their Christmas present or something that they've looked forward to for months. Um, It's honestly like it's such an honor to get to be in this show and to to perform it for these people. Just, um, yeah, just because it it is such a phenomenon.
0: Do you get any of the music stuck in your head like we get it stuck in ours? And I mean that in a positive way, of course.
1: Um,
3: yeah, you know, I I think it's constantly playing in my head. Um <laughs> ever since I um I remember preparing for my first performance and waking up in the middle of the night hearing 10 dual commandments in my head. It's like one of those shows where there's just so many catchy melodies. There are so many, so it's like you could really go it it'll take a while to get through the list. And <laughs> um but, you know, I I also feel quite blessed to be a part of a show that, you know, I love I love the music. Even if I weren't in the show, I'd still be a fan.
0: Did I read somewhere that, because you, you went to uh, Southern Illinois in Carbondale, right? Yes. And did I read that you were able to give a virtual um, message at a recent commencement for SIU?
3: Yes. That is, oh my gosh, yes. That was last, um, or I guess two Christmases ago, and... That is easily one of like the biggest honors that I've ever had in my life, Um, because that's not just the theater world. You know, I I got to make a virtual commencement address to like just a bunch of of college students. And yeah, it was it was really a a crazy moment. Um, And my you know, my professors got to see it. And it's always great to get to show the people who got you where you are. You know what I mean? Like where you are.
0: Zoe Jensen is Eliza Hamilton in the national touring production of Hamilton at Walton Arts Center through April 3rd. We talked with her earlier this week. Sunday evening at 6, filmmaker Carrie Bernard Collier Jr. will present a screening of his debut short film, Shadow Work. This will take place at 121 West Walnut in downtown Rogers. The movie blends two of his passions, psychology and filmmaking, into an intense 12-minute peek into the life of psychology students. Yesterday, he came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, along with the movie's lead actor, Jasper Logan, to discuss making the film. We're going to hear much of that conversation on a future edition of our show, but we wanted to share just a bit of the conversation in advance of the Sunday night screening. Collier says this first turn as writer, director, producer also included editing the movie.
4: I took a really long time to edit, um, and that's because, you know, as a filmmaker, doing stuff uh, for the first time, you learn a whole lot of lessons. So um, one of the biggest lessons that I learned that would have helped with editing on the back end was that you gotta hire a crew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> More people. <laughs> and Jasper will tell you that on the second part of that day, I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off, yeah. trying to put down tape to map out where I was going to move the camera, where I was placing the lights, where I was placing chairs. And that would have been so much easier if I had somebody running audio for me so that I could sync it up with the video a lot better. But, you know, the, the editing process, because I didn't have a crew, made it, uh, it made the editing process a little bit more difficult. Uh, and so, I would say that, you know the biggest fault that I had was not having a crew, and that affected the length of the editing process and what made it so hard.
0: But don't you think, now you learned more because you didn't have a crew. I mean,
4: absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so invaluable though, and that's why I said you know you learn things along the way. So now I've learned how to you know sync up audio with you know particular clips that might not even match up with the original audio, um, and it, it's cool to watch you know the editing process. Um, but at sometimes you're you know you're you're sitting there and you're like, okay, does this work with the tone that I'm trying to you know go for, and does the audio match here? Where do I place? the music, where do I place the sound effects to, to make it more realistic and, and there are a whole lot of aspects to editing that you learn, even if you do have a crew, um, that, you know, Mike Day just told me, you know, hey, be ready for this the editing is probably, you know, one of the most, you know, difficult parts of the process because it's the part where you're constantly critiquing every piece of work that you've done and having to pick from the best pieces of work that you've done to create the story that you want to.
0: And you didn't have a budget for reshoots or anything like
4: that Well, I, I mean, this is actually a no budget film so we didn't even we didn't yeah. even shoot it with with, with a budget, uh, and the, the biggest thing was the camera, and so I traded in my old camera to get the new camera that I used to do this. So, so this was a one-camera shoot? Yeah, it was a one-camera shoot.
0: There is much more from our conversation with Carrie Bernard Collier, Jr. and Jasper Logan about the movie Shadow Work that we'll hear on an upcoming edition of Ozarks at Large. The movie will be screened along with the film Graveyard of Friends at 121 West Walnut in downtown Rogers, Sunday night beginning at six. Tickets are $12. There will be a post-screening panel discussion and more.
2: Ozarks at Large is underwritten in part by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Fayetteville Roots presents The Steel Wheels at the Fayetteville Public Library on Sunday, April 24th at 7 30 p.m. This Roots Rock and Bluegrass band is a fan favorite from the Fayetteville Roots Festival. The steel wheels perform energetic music infused with personal storytelling. FayettevilleRoots.org for tickets and more information.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. With me on the phone from her Bella Vista office is Becca Martin-Brown, features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Happy Friday, Becca.
5: Happy Friday. It is my favorite time of year.
0: Basketball season? When there's a
5: lot of theater.
0: Oh, gotcha.
5: (laughs) We're going to slide right past that one. All right. And talk about theater.
0: And there's plenty to talk about.
5: There is, of course. There's this little play called Hamilton going on at the Walton Arts Center. Heard of it. And that continues through Sunday. But there are several other options over the next two weekends, including one... Wait, I just want to
0: correct you. It Hamilton goes through Sunday, April 3rd.
5: Oh, it does. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So there are several options over the next two weekends. <laughs> there you go. One of them is a show that Arkansas Public Theater in Rogers has been waiting two years to put on stage.
0: Right. It was going to go just, I think, before the first original virus the alpha hit us and they just kept having to put it off but now we're gonna have it
5: we had run the story even for it they were that close it's called meteor shower and it was written by the comedian steve martin the premise of the show is this couple are diligently working on their marriage you know right down to the how you're supposed to interact if someone's feelings are hurt but they're not opposed to a little social climbing, And they meet this other couple who are well-connected and kind of invite themselves over to watch the person meteor shower in 1993. Mm-hmm. And then it gets weird. <laughs> sort of Edward Albee weird. Gotcha. Funny weird. And there's more than, you know, there are books and plays where... There's more than one version of the storyline. Well, this play kind of backs up and does two or three versions of the storyline. 8 o'clock today and tomorrow, 2 o'clock Sunday, and again the 31st through April 3rd at Arkansas Public Theater in Rogers. Tickets start at $15. Also this weekend, if you need some peace and inspiration because you busted your basketball bracket... Crystal Bridges is hosting something called Art in Bloom, where they have local florists arrange flowers inspired by works of art. Oh, wow. They've been doing this for several years now. I think since 2017, maybe. And it's absolutely gorgeous. It continues today through Monday all over the galleries, and it's free. You don't need a timed entry or anything. You just go. Next weekend, and the weekend of April 17th and 9th, there's another ton of theater. Next weekend at Fort Smith Little Theater is a show called A Southern Exposure, which they have compared to Steel Magnolias. Girl sends family by moving to New York from Kentucky to live with her boyfriend which of course they're not thrilled about her dreams are dashed and she comes home and family things happen
0: family things happen uh-oh
5: well you know somebody it's got a grandma and two eccentric aunts something's gonna happen and i think one of the aunts has dementia so mm-hmm. they promise me you will laugh and cry And that runs March 31st through April 3rd, and then again, April 6th through 9th. Remember that Fort Smith only has a matinee the first weekend, a Sunday matinee, and tickets are $12 for everything but opening night. The same weekend on Saturday, April 2nd, Fort Smith Symphony is doing one of those play the score to a movie nights.
0: Right. Right.
5: And the movie just happens to be Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: A John Williams score, I believe.
5: Yes, it is. And I cannot wait to hear this. And here's something John Jetter says that I don't really understand. You might. He says, on the original soundtrack, it was recorded in receding stations so that sections could be redone if they needed to. But performing live, once a scene starts, you got no options. So he says it makes playing the chase scenes just as exciting on stage as it is on screen. (laughs) I bet it does. I bet it does. I just can't wait to see this. It's going to be so much fun. And it is the end of their Greatness Endures concert season, and they will announce, prior to this concert, the legend... Legends season for
6: twenty two twenty-three. So ooh, you can ooh. find
5: out more about the April 2nd concert at fortsmithsymphony.org and and tickets start at $35. Earlier that afternoon at the Fine Arts Building on the University of Arkansas campus in Fayetteville. An original opera has a one-time only performance. Yeah. It was written by Kaylee Miller Irwin, who Fans of Rogers, of Theater and Rogers at Arkansas Public Theater know. And it's based on a young audience's book called The Game. And the premise is that everybody in this post, you post, apocalyptic world is playing a game, but they don't know it. So that will be performed at 3.30 on Saturday the 2nd in the Stella Boyle Smith Concert Hall at the university, and it is free.
0: Thank you, Becca. Becca Martin-Brown features editor (laughs) at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette.
4: On the latest episode of Undisciplined, Eric Hughes discusses Interstate 630 in Little Rock and the impact its creation had on black and brown communities in the city. I personally, especially after doing this research, in in some ways agree with the sentiment that systems can't be racist. Now, I'm going to explain. Listen to Undisciplined for free wherever you get your podcasts. This
0: is Ozarks at Large. With me via Zoom is Courtney Lanning. Courtney, how are you?
6: Kyle, I'm good. How are you doing?
0: Excellent, because I'm about to learn about a movie called Infinite Storm. And I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite titles ever, Infinite Storm.
6: Yeah, I, I promise you, it's, it's not as blockbustery as the title would leave you to believe. This isn't Geostorm or anything. This is This is more of a... Well, I like to call it a niche category of women who experience tragedy in their lives um, and they decide to head into nature to heal their wounds. There was a Reese Witherspoon movie like that. Yes, uh, it's called Wild, came out in 2014. Um, and then last year, there was a movie that I liked a lot called Land. Very similar premise of, again, uh, women who experience some sort of horrific loss and can't find healing anywhere but nature so they they head out into the wilderness to to find that healing
0: all right so how how does this movie approach the premise and how does it do
6: so like the other two films in this category that we mentioned land and wild um this movie is shot beautifully Um, And it's it's quiet. There's not a lot of soundtrack or score to the film. Um, And it's just it allows the viewer to have a lot of quiet reflection. Uh, It's actually based on a true story about a mountain rescue up in New Hampshire um, about a woman who scaled Mount Washington, which is known for its erratic weather. And it's also the highest point in, I think, the northeastern United States. Uh, And while up there, this woman gets caught in a snowstorm and she finds somebody who needs to be rescued. So she has to get this man down the mountain uh, in the middle of a snowstorm.
0: Sounds harrowing.
6: It is. But, you know, all of that is, again, secondary to this main character um, who I won't spoil what her loss is specifically. um, But she has quite a bit of significant uh, emotional damage to work through and a lot of psychological pain. And she goes up to this mountain quite often uh, to reflect and be alone in nature and try to find beauty in everyday life so she can keep going.
0: It sounds like, I mean, it, it it's set in nature, so it takes a sort of conventional approach to storytelling.
6: Yeah, I mean, if you watch the trailer, if you finish listening to this review and then you go watch the trailer, you might think it looks a little cheesy, but I can guarantee you it absolutely is not. The trailer is just cut in such a way that it tries to make the movie a little more like 2015's Everest, more of like an epic mountain rescue. But again, that's really secondary to uh, this main character who's played by Naomi Watts. And she does a fantastic job and really goes the extra mile with this performance. Um, and, you know, it's it really is just about her her personal journey of finding a way to cope with the pain that she has to carry. And so this is a big thumbs up. It is, you know, the only gripe I have with this movie is its transitions, Um, which again, a minor complaint. But there's so many times this film will just cut to a black screen and display the time of day. Uh, It's jarring, it brings everything to a grinding halt in the story, when you could simply just overlay the time on some beautiful nature shots that are already so abundant in this movie.
0: Uh, Where can we see this film? You can see it in theaters today. Okay. Old school.
6: Go to the theater to see it.
0: Uh, Anything else new we can see in the theaters today?
6: Yes. Also releasing old school, as you mentioned, uh, is a title called The Lost City. It's got uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Sandra Bullock and I think Channing Tatum Um, Sandra Bullock plays an author who writes these cheesy romantic adventure stories. uh, And Daniel Radcliffe plays a villain who kidnaps her uh, because she writes these books about a lost city with treasure. And Daniel Radcliffe thinks that she can go into the jungle and actually help him find a real lost city filled with treasure. Uh, What will we talk about next week? Next week, I will have a review of a new movie coming to Netflix called The Bubble. Set during the pandemic, about a group of actors who form their own bubble and go in to make a movie together and hijinks ensue.
0: Not sure I'm ready for a pandemic movie just yet. I'll be interested to see how this does.
6: Yeah, I am. Um, I'm also a little hesitant about that factor. But if it's a comedy, then maybe, maybe it'll work okay.
0: All right. Uh, You can read the full review of Infinite Storm in today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Courtney, as always, I appreciate your time very much.
6: Kyle, thanks for having me.
1: In the background, are the Clayton brothers doing a tune called Here Today, Here Tomorrow? And I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. Join me as we hear more from the Clayton brothers, as well as Joey Alexander, Stefano Batista, Harry Connick Jr., Tia Fuller, and much more. Shades of Jazz every Friday and Saturday, right here on KUAF.
0: Justin Peter Kinkel Schuster isn't a native of Arkansas, but he's lived here for a number of years. In 2019, we first welcomed the songwriter and musician to the Carver Center for Public Radio to talk about his then-new release, Take Heart, Take Care. In early March, he released his latest solo effort titled No Tongue Can Tell. Recently, Pete joined Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis inside Timothy's home studio in South Fayetteville to talk about the new release, but first, let's hear a song. Uh,
7: hello, This is Pete Kinkel Schuster. Uh, This song is called Arizona. Parentheses We All Shall Be Changed. In parentheses. All right.
8: You're the I dreamed I played piano Free and wild with Arizona drains. Just before I woke, she sat beside me Said, brother, ease your trouble We all shall be chained It don't matter whether you have rambled Or made your life in one forgotten place Only that you've made it worth a candle Your love was true and you've done your best To ease another's pain Some folks gonna tell you they are Christians And others that they don't believe in God And having come around that block I'll tell you Either way you go You're gonna need to lay some eyes. As for me, the keys of this piano Are the closest I have felt to Jesus' face When I'm singing, He is my story Truly, He is my song And I am easy in my place To say I found a reason For the burdens we all carry in this life You give me half a chance I'd trade a lifetime of godly vision For one blessed day of earthly sight I played piano Free and wild with Arizona drains Just before I woke She sat beside me Said, brother, is your trouble We all shall be changed Just before I woke she Sat beside me Said, brother, ease your trouble We all shall be changed We all shall be changed
9: That was beautiful, man. (laughs) Thanks, Tim. That was beautiful. That's from a new record. That's from my new record. Called... No called, Tongue Can Tell. Called No Tongue Can Tell. So, this is your third solo album. First was Constant Stranger, which had a little bit of a heavier, darker tone to it. Yes. Your definitely. second one, Take Heart, Take Care, was a little bit lighter hearted, maybe hopeful even. Mm-hmm. What do you feel the feeling or the tone of this album is? Well, I would say
7: perhaps maybe a, a sort of a. A meeting of the two, it's a little bit dark, but also there's, I mean, there's a song on here that's about, you know, uh, my wife and our, our dogs and just our life here and and contentment. And so I think maybe there's just sort of a, a middle ground between those, those first two records, I think. Because definitely on the, the previous one, I, I was... Aiming for something brighter, both maybe in content and although really I can't, I don't think I am ever able to achieve anything actually bright content-wise <laughs> because <laughs> it's be, it's beyond my reach as a as a, a pessimist, uh, a hopeful pessimist, but a pessimist nevertheless. So yeah, I think it's probably just a, a sort of a middle ground between those two, where you know. I really feel happy and good and at home and content with in way in a ways that I never really thought I would have been able Mm -hmm. to in my life. And so I hope and I think that there is a sense of that sort of just kind of groundedness. And also, Mm -hmm. I mean, I made the record at home. So, you know, I hopefully that uh, makes its way in there as well. So, yeah, let's say happy medium.
9: Let's go with that. I like that. I like that. Uh, Do you want to give us an example of kind of a happy medium off the
7: record? Yeah, this is the song I just mentioned that uh, I wrote just about my wife and our dogs and our our life and, you know, just being happy and and settled and feeling at home, you know, both with your your person and with your life and, and sort of everything around you, so um, it's called My Heart, My Home.
8: street with our dogs The sun is going down and it feels good Wondering what we'll have for supper We're laughing with our deal We're talking with our pearl We're singing with our bird We're almost Hong we're laughing at ourselves we can't believe our luck together we've come through my heart my
9: Few minutes ago, you recorded this record at your home studio, mm-hmm. a place that you call the Seven Track Shack. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your process of putting this record together in said Seven Track Shack. Well, it took a long time, or uh, what felt
7: like a long time—a couple, few years. So when we moved into our house, it had—it it seems to be kind of a Fayetteville thing, where there is a part of the house that used to be a garage and it's been turned into a another room for better or for worse and so when we first moved into our house I kind of sort of earmarked that as a space I would want to try to use for a studio and for a long time it just kind of sat there and I didn't really have anything going and then uh, I want to say it was maybe eight, spring or summer of 2018 I really got it into my head that I wanted to in earnest start trying to put a place together to record at home because I've never done that. I always wanted to, like as a teenager, I always wanted to get one of the Tascam four tracks and I never could afford it. My folks could never afford it or get one for me. And so I never really got to get into that. And then, uh, when I started trying to put together the spot at the house, I was like, man, it would be really cool to have one of those finally. And so I, like, got in my head that was what I was going to try to get. And the first day, I was like, I'm going to go just look around at the, the pawn shops. The first day, I went out to the Mountain Man pawn shop. Mm-hmm. And damned if <laughs> there wasn't that very exact Tascam Porta Studio 424 Mark three sitting mm-hmm. on the shelf. I mean... You know, I think I've thought about it a lot. And anytime I think about it, it's just really wild. Like it was the very thing that I was looking for was right there in the pawn shop. And I I, obviously I bought it and it worked pretty well. I've had a lot of work done on it. But just to get it up to its most, you know, kind of utmost fighting shape. But so I found that machine and then just from there I started (laughs) piece by piece getting it together until finally, you know, um, when COVID hit was when I really sort of forced to start to think about getting really serious about it. And so that's I just started recording and recording and recording and recording until I started to feel like I was getting a little better. And uh, yeah, I've just been trying to get a little bit better each time I turn the Mm -hmm. thing on. And so, yeah, that's just kind of the deal (laughs) over (laughs) over in the studio is I've got my little tape machine and my, you know, my little handful of mics and that's kind of it i just kind of turn it on and and try to make things sound like it's the sound of my guitar in my little seven track shack which i named after one of my favorite records of all time is the link ray self-titled record from i think it's 1971 or 72 um where it's his profile is on the cover. That's one of my my favorite, like a Desert Island record for me. And I've always loved it, both because of the songs, but the way that it sounds. And he and his brother recorded that in what they called Ray's three-track shack um, <laughs> at their, I think it was maybe at their, their mother's house in rural Maryland. And so I always... That was kind of, I always wanted to call it that. And so I call it the seven track shack because I I have a four track, but the way that I ping pong the tracks, I feel like I can reasonably get uh, seven total recorded tracks with the ping ponging and have it still sound decent. So, right, right. So that's, that's why I call it the seven-track shack. And Which, yeah,
9: that nature of ping-ponging, I mean, that's something that a lot of people probably don't even understand today in the days of digital studios like we're sitting in today. The you days know?
7: of infinite tracks. Yeah, I think it's sort of a foreign thing. Uh, maybe for a lot of people, it would seem like an antiquated thing. But I, one thing that I have found and repeatedly been forced to learn about myself is that I I sort of can only really I need a situation in which there aren't many options <laughs> um, because if there are too many uh, choices uh, or what have you then uh, my brain just sort of kind of shuts down and, and doesn't really know what to do Yeah. and so the the beauty of the 4-track the for me is you can literally look and see the number of choices that you have and so it just makes you think critically in a way that you need to make choices about what is ultimately going to exist on like in these spaces that you can see like that's that's what kind of makes sense to me about it and i just love the way that it sounds too just like the there's no substitute for that. It's almost like a recording. It's an instrument almost, the the little, the four track, the right. way that it sounds. It, it's. I think it's like the difference between like a really great digital camera and taking a picture with like, you know, an old uh, film camera where you could take the exact same picture with the two different things. And with the digital camera, you'll see exactly what you Composed and framed with a lot of clarity. And then with the film photograph, there will always be something that changes a little bit in translation. You know, whether it's grain or or whatever it is, there's always something that is translated by the medium itself. And so that's another thing I love about the the four-track is, like, you can record something, play it the same way, two three times in a row and it'll always sound just a little bit different just because of the weird tape magic in there so
9: well Pete it has been an absolute pleasure to catch up with (laughs) you Uh, would you mind playing one more song for us to close this out I would love to thanks Tim of course
7: this will be the title track from uh, my new solo record Uh, it's called no tongue can tell here it goes
8: Snow on the mountain Is water in the valley If you beat a mule It may work hard a little while But soon enough turn and bite your hand Soon enough turn and bite your hand Who made that line between living and dying, heavy as a tree, just felt as you live and breathe? Do you believe there are things no tongue can tell? There are things no tongue can tell. where is the guide love must be written on your hand cause you point and everybody understands honey would you like to dance honey would you like There are things no tongue can
0: tell. That was Justin Peter kinkle Schuster talking with and performing for Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis. In Timothy's home studio, in South Fayetteville, you can keep up with Pete's music and other happenings at his Instagram at Songs, and you can find all of his latest releases, including the vinyl pre-order for "No Tongue Can Tell," at constantstranger.bandcamp.com. This is ninety-one point three KUAF Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville and Paris. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors for our Friday show included Timothy Dennis, Michael Tilley, Becca Martin-Brown, and Courtney Lanning. We'll be back with you Sunday morning at 9 for weekend Ozarks at Large. Then we return Monday at noon to start a brand new week of daily editions of Ozarks at Large. If you ever miss an episode of Ozarks at Large, just ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large and you'll hear the most recent edition. And you can listen to us on your schedule when you subscribe to our free podcast that's available through all major podcast distributors. All right. I'm Kyle Kellams. Thank you so much for being with us. We do appreciate your attention very much. Take care of yourself. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again soon.